With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Pittsburgh Penguins were dealt a massive blow to their playoff chances on Tuesday evening. Hello everybody and welcome to Penguins To Go, your daily dose of Pittsburgh Penguins news and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm your host Nick Berlansky and boy was that a tough game to watch at the Prudential Center on Tuesday night for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Tough performance from puck drop to the final horn and the Penguins lose a pivotal matchup. Five to one. Like I mentioned mere seconds ago, the opening draw was the last point in that game in which I personally felt that the Pittsburgh Penguins had a chance. Because a mere 30 seconds into the game, I believe it was Jesper Bratt just squeaked through in the offensive zone and was left wide open with just him and Tristan Jari, and he fumbled the puck, luckily, because Tristan Jari was in a very awkward situation, very awkward position, and at that moment, you looked at it and you said, oh boy, this is going to look a lot like the previous three games looked against the New Jersey Devils, and none of those ended up with the Pittsburgh Penguins collecting the two points. The Pens were outskated and outplayed at every moment of that game last night. It was one of the worst performances of a season where there have been some pretty bad performances. I mean, the 6 to nothing loss to the New York Rangers on national television comes to mind. The 5-1 to one loss to the New York Islanders right after Christmas break comes to mind. This one is right up there. And strangely enough, you notice who those losses are coming against. They're coming against division opponents. Now, one that I remember that isn't against a division opponent is obviously that Edmonton Oilers loss that kind of sparked the change right before the NHL trade deadline. Change that, looking back on it about a month later, hasn't done much to help the Pittsburgh Penguins. But back to last night, they were outplayed, outskated, outperformed by a much younger, much faster New Jersey Devils team at 5-on-5. They couldn't get anything going on the power play, going 0 for 4, which brings their total to 1 for 20 against the Devils this season in four games. That is a 5% success rate against the New Jersey Devils. 
not great. They were 3-for-4 on the penalty kill. They did give up another power play goal, as they seemingly do at least once a game. And they were just not as good as the New Jersey Devils. That Devils team was just flat-out better than the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mentioned it was a pivotal game. That's probably understating it. A massive night for the playoff race in the Eastern Conference wildcard because the Buffalo Sabres were playing the the Florida Panthers, two teams that are probably two of the four that are remaining in this race. I know mathematically the Senators and the Red Wings still have a chance, but they're going to fall off. They're really hanging on by a thread. So Buffalo, who's playing really well lately, playing Florida, the Islanders have the night off because both of these teams, the Panthers and the Penguins, were playing their game in hand. Penguins lose, Panthers win, massive blow for the Pittsburgh Penguins. With only four games remaining, they fall out of a playoff spot. The Panthers have 87 points and currently sit in wildcard one. Islanders have 87 points and currently sit in wildcard two. And the Pittsburgh Penguins have 86 points and sit in the first spot outside of the playoffs. So it's pretty simple for the rest of the season. Each of those teams has four games remaining. And the Penguins will need to win at least one more game than one of the Islanders or Florida to get into the postseason. Before last night, they controlled their own destiny. They could pace with the Panthers. They could pace with the the Islanders, excuse me. And they'd be right there. But a bad loss at the Rock in New Jersey, paired with a big win for the Florida Panthers over the Buffalo Sabres, and the Penguins now sit on the outside looking in. And it's, it's, it's really an issue that continues to come up, where the Pittsburgh Penguins, on several occasions, and I feel like I talk about this every Wednesday because it usually happens on a Tuesday night, on several occasions, the Pittsburgh Penguins just do not show up to play. And last night, I wouldn't have expected it in a massive game. You, as a fan, probably wouldn't have expected it in a massive game. But here we are, just about 12 hours later, talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and yet another no-show performance. Things are going to have to change in the offseason. You know, I keep saying that next year's team has to be better because the flaws of this year's team are so evident that you have to fix most of them in the offseason, right? Like, you have to go out and you have to try to fix a lot of these issues. Some of them are fixable. Some of them are harder to fix. But there is a, a trio of players that you really need to figure out a way to not have on this roster next season, right? The problems are compounding, which makes it harder to believe that they're going to be able to turn it around and surround the core with a talented team next year. Without a doubt, it needs to be more talented than this team is this year. But when you look at which players should be first on the chopping block, there's a big three. And unfortunately, it's not going to be easy to move any of the big three. Combined, these three Pittsburgh Penguins make $14.3 million against the salary cap. Three players, almost $15 million. And the impact on the ice is minimal at best. Jeff Carter, 
I bet you all knew I was going to say that. He has one year remaining on his contract at $3.125 million and a no-move clause. Now, that's going to be a tough one to crack. That's going to be a tough contract to move because if Jeff Carter doesn't want to move, then he's not moving, right? Now, part of the reason that Jeff Carter loves it here is because he's good friends with Ron Hextall, the general manager. Hextall's job and his job security is uncertain at this stage in the game. I know a lot of people are saying, including me, who have on multiple occasions said, it has to be it. Like, this has to be it for Ron Hextall, especially considering the poor performance and the poor results of his trade deadline performance this year. It has to be it. But there's a chance that it isn't. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. And if you're going to ask me, well, Nick, how is there a chance? How can anybody watch this performance? How can anybody see the team that's on the ice and still think that that guy deserves a job? I will refer you to the section of the Penguins fan base that is also fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just ask them about Matt Canada. Just do that. They'll tell you there's a way that somebody who's performed poorly can get another crack at the egg. So if Hextall stays here, there's a good chance that Carter isn't even attempted to be moved. If Hextall leaves, an attempt could be futile because Carter could say, I have one year left. I want to finish my career in Pittsburgh. Go find somebody else to trade. That's going to be a tough one. Mikhail Granlund, as far as his contract is concerned, he has no say in whether or not he's traded. There's no clauses on his deal, but boy, two more years at $5 million is above and beyond anything that I would pay for what I've seen from Mikhail Granlund. Last night was just the latest in a per- list of performances where he makes no impact on the game. He's practically as impactful as a mascot at this point, right? He's not doing very much. Actually, you know what? Last night, he had probably his best shot as a Pittsburgh Penguin. It clanked off the post and then did not go in. Didn't create a rebound, nothing. So I'll give him that. I will give him that. The speed is not there anymore. The penalty killing is not there anymore. The facilitating ability is not there anymore. I don't know what's left of Mikhail Granlund, value-wise. I'll say this, and I say this 
almost every time I bash on a player. I'm sure the human Mikhail Granlund is great. The hockey player Mikhail Granlund is not. Right? We have to understand that these guys are are humans. They have emotions. It's tough. But they're in the spotlight for a reason. He's getting paid $5 million to play hockey. And I haven't seen much good hockey being played from 64. So that's another one. And the final of the other big three, as I'll call them, the big three players that need to be moved this offseason to open up some space for the Penguins to maybe create a cup contender this summer, Jeff Petrie. Man, does that trade look horrible. Mike Matheson is younger, faster, better with the puck. Maybe not as stout defensively, but it's not like Jeff Petrie is coming out here and being Nick Lidstrom for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Petrie is not what was advertised. Now, there were Canadiens fans that could have said as much and had said as much. But the hope was he comes to Pittsburgh, and as several defensemen have done, a la Mike Matheson, Cody Ceci, Justin Schultz before him, comes to Pittsburgh and finds a different level to his game. Jeff Petrie hasn't done that. And unfortunately, he's the second highest paid player on the team. And he has a modified no-move clause, which means he has to submit a 15-team no-trade list. So already, the pool of people that could acquire this aging player with a large contract is cut in half. So Petrie, Granlin, Carter, whoever is the general manager this summer, those three, at least two of those three, probably need to be moved. And it is incredible to think that four weeks ago, the Penguins' biggest issue was Brock McGinn, two more years at $2.75 million, Kasperi Kapanen, one more year at $3.2 million. Those guys are going to be tough to move. Oh my goodness, was it replaced by something worse? Because at least you had two players, two chances for these guys to turn things around and become productive. Now you got one. One chance. It's Mikhail Granlin gets better, or Mikhail Granlin doesn't get better, and that cap space is completely useless. Now, I don't believe Jeff Petrie is going to be moved, but Jeff Petrie is certainly not providing $6.25 million worth of production. Just not happening. Last night, that one pinch was pathetic. And that's really what what got him on this list. Because I was going to talk about Carter. I was going to talk about Granlin. I was going to talk about all the other issues. You know, who's starting in goaltender next season? That needs to be addressed. How do you fix this power play? Because that obviously needs to be addressed. How do you fix the bottom six? Regardless of if you get rid of Carter and Granlin. How do you address that section? That is something else that needs to be looked at this summer. But boy, Jeff Petrie's performance last night was so putrid that I just had to include him. So, a bad loss last night, a near-death blow to the Penguins' playoff chances as they sit outside, looking in, no games in hand, no math in their favor. They just need to win more games than the other two teams, and they need those other two teams to lose. 
Fortunately, they have some tough games on their schedule. Islanders play the Lightning on Thursday, then their last three are against the closest version of cupcakes you can get in the NHL. I'm not going to really call anybody a cupcake because in the NHL, any team can win on any night, even if they're tanking. See Blackhawks, Chicago last night against the, I believe it was Nashville Predators. Something like that. Calgary Flames, one of those two teams. Meanwhile, the Florida Panthers, that's where I was at. Uh, meanwhile, the Florida Panthers, their last two games, I believe, are against Carolina and Toronto. Two teams where Toronto's known who they're going to play for the longest time. And that's going to be one of the last games of the season. And Carolina, there's a good chance we'll have locked up the number one seed in the Metropolitan Division. So we'll see how much those guys want to go at it. But regardless, the Penguins sit in a precarious position. It's going to be an interesting final week of the season. And it should be a very interesting offseason for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's going to do it for this episode of Penguins to Go. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from. We'll see you guys next time.